I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone. Just jumping in here to give you a wee snippet of Culture Vulture, our pop culture podcast. So if you want a break from the news, you should jump over and subscribe to it. A huge thank you to Neon, our favourite New Zealand streaming service, for making this episode of Culture Vulture possible. everyone and welcome to Culture Vulture. Now it's a little bit different today. I'm joined with a very special co-host. I'm not going to say guest and I'm not going to say like interview subject because I'm forcing him to take on the role of co-host. I'm here with Duncan Grieve who is the CEO and the publisher of The Spin-Off which we all know is the best media company in New Zealand. I'm extremely biased as I am with literally everything. They basically mean that Siska can operate. They help us do everything. We're actually recording in their studio. Duncan is also my mentor. He's my bestie. You'd say, yeah, you'd agree that we're besties, eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, he had to. He's on my podcast. <laughs> um, in, in his greatest act of mentorship, he introduced me to Succession. I do think you might regret it by now because I'm always either spoiling it with memes or like forcing you to talk to me about it. No, no, it's good. I'm, I uh, I mean, it, it, this succession season has felt like it was everywhere and everyone was in in a way that was, I don't know, that it wasn't for the previous ones. Um, yeah. And so I'm just glad that, that, that you're I've a part of it. I caught up yeah. because of you. But the timing was, was great because it was, I feel like you watched it in lockdown and then it just went bam straight into season three. I know. So I was all caught up. Anyway, Duncan's much smarter than me, which he hates me saying, Stop. but like... <laughs> I will have very shallow takes and ones that probably will resonate with a lot of people. And Duncan will have these like insane like media industry plus just TV. He just he, he knows a lot about everything, which is why I sometimes know things about things because Duncan teaches me. Another thing to know about Dunk, he is the spitting image of Kendall Roy. So I want you all to be picturing Kendall as you're listening to this podcast. You also share, like, a bunch of Kendall's characteristics. Like, you have this this fire in your belly that, like, not to the level of Kendall Roy, but you reckon you're a bit similar, eh, in some respects? Yeah, I've always felt um, quite, quite a kinship with Kendall because it's funny because in, in the – the finale we just watched, you remember, because he reminds you that Connor is actually the eldest son, but the whole way through you always feel like Ke- Kendall. You know, Kendall, Kendall feels like he has that weight on him. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the eldest only son of my father. My father was a, growing up, he, he he was a little bit of a Logan Roy type. He just, he was a CEO. He kind of took no prisoners. He was not, he had no time for uh, for fools, <laughs> for the kids trying to take over. Well, you know, if you if you asked a dumb question, you were gonna you're gonna get told that yeah. that was a dumbass question. Oh you my know, God, I love. I lo- this is why you're so great to talk to about this shit because you have this like level of kindleness. Yeah, and like you have a great. Like, you're quite up with the bro speak, but not to the point of Kendall. But there's that first scene of him like 
in the car, like the one of the very first scenes he's listening to, the, I think it's Beastie Boys or something, he's like raving in the car, and I just can't look at that without seeing you. Kendall also has massive optimism about like going digital and like the transformation, which you don't have the optimism. Well, like I do. I do. No, it's because you've done it. Like, yeah, I so mean, you're optimistic I, about it, but it's because you're also good at it. He has no follow through. I mean, I think that the the other reason why why I, I love the show so much, and and very much Kendall embodies this, is that the uh, we operate in the trad, you know basically, even though we're a digital media company, we operate functionally in the traditional media space. We're not a a technology company um, by any means, but the the I've I've always been um, fascinated by the big technology companies, and Succession is about this kind of big lumbering, ruthless entity uh, trying to kind of live in a world that is falling apart and fading and just being eaten alive by these technology companies that it doesn't particularly understand and sort of using whatever tactics it can yeah. to, to survive. And that nexus is, you know, it's a brilliantly chosen place to stage this thing, notwithstanding all of the real-life kind of Murdoch um, family sort of saga tropes that you can you can uh, fold into it. Do you guys see what I mean when I say that? Like, <laughs> I'll be here prompting and Duncan will just be, like, running his mouth and I'm obsessed. And I haven't even asked you how you are. I haven't even asked you how you felt, like, the final was. But I'm going to ask all that. First of all, I want to know what describes your week. I mean, I looked at this question um, and and I, and I came up so empty. It's anxiety-inducing, I feel yeah. like. It's got to be sort of funny but also kind of relevant. Well, the the, the thing that I came up with, the, the, thing, the only thing that was like different and new, and especially uh, the thing that made it easier for me was knowing that your Aunt Pheromones was an acceptable level I know. for last week. And I was like, man, I mean, I can Aunt get Pheromones. there. You can fucking say anything. So so my, my grandma Jude, um, who's like 93 years old, and her it's basically bang on a year since uh, her husband, my grandfather, died. And so she spent a good portion of that year living alone in lockdown. And at the best of times, and for years, she's been like, I'm checked out. I don't I don't want any more of this. And if you think, you know, so my my father is a Logan Roy type. He is like that because his mum was just cold. Yeah, okay. And um, so the... You're she, your family on blast here, right? Uh, <laughs> like, I'm they, they just are who yeah, they are, you yeah. know. I, I talk to them about it. It's yeah. all good. Um, but but uh, so she reminds me so much of Livia Soprano. Have you watched The Sopranos? No. So she's uh, Tony Soprano's mother who who is was rated number three on Rolling Stone's list of the greatest TV villains of all time. Which, given that she's like a bit part, says a lot about just how just savage yeah. uh, she is. And and Jude's like that. She doesn't really know that she's doing it. And she's very sweet, but she's just got no sentimentality in her whatsoever. And I thought that she was basically, she was calling time and just sitting there waiting <laughs> waiting for uh, the Grim Reaper to yes. just stroll on in and make himself at home. But then uh, she sort of suddenly erupted and she's she came over to our house which i just never thought would happen she instantly was like oh this is brilliant so much better than that old place we, we lived for 15 years and she just savaged it and uh and i had my my uncle my father there who i hadn't seen for four months and um and my my three daughters and and there was just this my wife this whole sort of it felt very sopranos in the sopranos yeah. is succession aside the show that has has meant the most to me over yeah. the years so that's what so it the is the sopranos well 
I thought it was going to be sweating because before we got on the mic, me and Doug were trying to figure out what described his week. And like, I'm a very, I run real hot. And then I was like, what's something that describes my week? I may be sweating. And then I was like, I actually, maybe that describes Duncan's week too. And then what did you tell me? What happened this morning? I played basketball with, with I here who's, who's recording her. I don't know about you, but I was, that was one of the sweatiest games I've ever played. It's like wickedly humid here in Tamaki Makoto right now. And uh, I, I know that I dropped a kilo in sweat. I love that you're going to say, I reckon, I reckon I dropped about a kilo in sweat. Duncan Cream knows he dropped a kilo in sweat because he's that guy. Yeah, it's like it's real embarrassing. No. I, look, I, I don't normally check in that frequently, but um, it just so happened to work out that way today. Duncan, I was curious. It's so There's more than a kilo, if I'm honest. Oh, my God. I was wondering, you're sort of wasting away in front of me right now. Mm. Mm. <laughs> the thing that describes my week is, and to be honest, I've talked about this on the last podcast you guys will have listened to, um, petty girl or petty person summer. And you already know what that means. I think Duncan might have a petty person summer as well. Mm. He'll, he'll listen to the podcast. He'll figure out what that means. And if you don't, this is a callback. I'm not going to explain it for you. You have to go and listen to the last one. Okay. Now, Duncan. We've just, oh, spoilers, spoiler alert, this whole thing's going to be a spoiler. We've probably spoiled stuff already, sorry, but keep listening. What did you think of the final? We've just watched it, we both watched it last night. I uh, loved it. Same. I think, um, I think it's been overall like a sort of patchy season, especially compared to the just pure brilliance of uh, the second season, but they stuck the landing so hard. Yeah, okay, Great, because I was worried. There was a point in this season where I thought, why? Because I get obsessed with things, um, very much so. You guys all know that. And I was worried while I was watching this that it had lost a bit of its, like, I need to sit down and I can't be distracted by anything and all I want to do is watch this and focus on it. I I felt like I was, like, wavering in and out a little bit. But then this episode, like, for once... If something was going on around me, I wouldn't have even noticed because I just thought this was great. And and Jeremy Strong was Jeremy Strong, and like well, we got to talk about that. But I know. I mean that that the scene, um, you know, in that sort of dusty car park area oh. where, where uh, Kendall breaks down and um, and, and he says, and, "I'm just not here." And oh, I mean the the everything about that was just. I think for a show that is just relentlessly cynical. Um, and, and assumes the worst of all humanity, which is what what's what is what makes it so compelling to have the to allow that mask to slip and the 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 you know the humanity of of those uh, siblings and the way that they have been forged and broken and never got any other ch- a chance to be anything else. I know. Uh, you know. That was that was just extraordinary writing and performing. I, and I thought I saw so much of myself in Roman in that moment because when people are like breaking down near me or with me, and I'm the one that's charged to like help them, or actually it's the way I would like people to act with me. I crack jokes and I just like all I want to do is like make them like laugh. Like I probably wouldn't be like. Oh well, you killed a guy. Well, I waited three and a, like three so forty-five minutes for a, gin, for a and gin and tonic was one of the most savage. I know, ones. I know, I know. Oh my god, I'm but sweating thinking about that. That's literally it's kind of me, and I don't know if we're talking about this now. Yeah, we will because we're talking about Roman. 
one of the hardest scenes for me to watch of all time was Roman sending the dick pic to Logan. Like, no. Like, slime puppy. Two words, slime puppy. What slime puppy? Slime puppy. It's when it's when um, Jerry's on the phone to Roman and he's, like, getting off to her and, oh. and she's like, you little slime puppy. <laughs> oh my. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What do you think, what do you think of the um, dick pic scene? Uh, I loved it, eh? I, I loved the scene. Like, I loved the scene a, a lot. And I, I loved... When Roman realizes he's done it, the way he just sort of goes limp, like he <gasps> I just know. and and I kind of relate to that. It's like when you <laughs> hit reply rather than forward on an email. That those kind of situations. I've done that, yeah. And um, or text the person that you're talking you about, about rather than you know, like I've only ever had sort of three out of ten versions of that. But every time you get that complete stomach drop. Ter- Actually, no, I've had a ten out of ten. Have you this year? Yeah, I can't talk about no, that. No, don't. Fuck, Fuck. no. I just went somewhere. Okay, I'm back, I'm back, I'm <laughs> Tegan, back. Tegan literally disappeared. I'll tell you about that sometime yeah, off mic. Please. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. Um, but, but then the only thing about that that didn't scan for me <gasps> was um, when Logan you know, takes him aside to talk to him about it, I don't feel like Logan would give a shit. Yeah. Because Logan's also, like, fucking a 20-year-old or something right now. He's just so, like, cynical. It's it's just a dick pic, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, it's not like he's squeamish about this. Like, he runs Waystar Royco. It's tabloids. It's trash. It's, you know, he's just like, I'm surprised it's not to just be more careful or who, you know? That was the only thing that I found a bit odd. But then it did allow him that weird sort of contemptuous, um, you know, the, 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 the speech he gave to him on the boat and um, in, in the finale. So so it helped. Roman's so interesting. We're going to get to favourite um, favorite characters soon. But one bit that I loved, loved, loved was when um, Logan was reading the storybook to Kendall's son and, and the line is, Mog was tired. She was dead tired, Mog thought. I want to sleep forever. And so she did. But a little bit of her stayed awake to see what would happen next. Which is Kendall, which is literally Kendall. Like, I, like, first of all, it was kind of nice to see Logan being, like, reading a storybook. I thought oh, it was also, cute. Mog, one of the greats. Yeah, I don't know. Huge, I didn't know. Huge that. Mog head. Oh, <laughs> you fucking would be too. I just thought, like, oh, it's just so smart and so beautiful. And also, I, there was something I'm not, I don't know much about, like, film techniques or TV shows or anything. There was something in that scene of them playing Monopoly. felt like a really long scene, but it was beautiful. It felt really different. Like, I don't know if you felt, but, you know, when they're all sitting around the table and then Kendall comes in after he's been in the hospital and I just felt like, do you feel all a bit more candid or something right now? But I just thought it was stunning. I think that the... Because the family had had that sort of season-long trauma after they sort of hang together, they're constantly doing their insult comedy on each other, but that fundamentally 
they they just are this unit. Yeah. And to have uh, to have Kendall be sort of cast aside for the whole season, and then them sort of inching back yeah. together, there was you could feel it. Yeah, it was happening. What okay? What about what about Tom? What about the backstabbing from Tom? You know, I missed that, and I I only caught that on the on the recaps like I, that I've read this morning. I I sort of oh, okay. there was something about how crushing the emotional load of the uh, the car park scene was that I was sort of yeah like missing stuff. Um, but I actually love that. I think that's really really fantastic writing, and it and it allows for Tom the one of the best things about Succession is that every character is perfectly rendered and developed. There are no sort of just bit parts who are just a cipher and come on to say a line so that the other character yeah. can advance. Like, everyone on it. Like, the you know, the PR guy with the slick back hair? Yeah. He's one of my favourite characters. He is has he? fuck all lines. But I just, I totally buy him as oh this God. kind of amoral, um, you know, he has to manage up, please his boss, try and pilot him to doing the least bad thing. Yeah. But he just he just scans and every character on succession scans. And Tom, the idea that Tom would be, you know, he's just constantly trying to go, how do I get ahead and how do I I'll put up with anything from Shiv who I knows know. it. And there's that incredible sex scene in the second last episode. But the you know that that drives that home. But then obviously when he sees an opportunity to play a chess move He'll take it. And you respect him for it. Respect the hell out of him. I know, I know. And, like, it's really interesting. I've read a few theories on Tom and, like, you know back, like, halfway through the season when someone sends donuts to, like, when Shiv goes around to Kendall's, I think, and, like, apparently Tom was the only one that knew, like, she was there, so he sent the donuts. Like, he'd already started, like, trying to, like, stress, stress her out and stress out the situation. And then at the end, Shiv also, when she's... When she sort of realises, I think she realises that Tom has done it and she, like, grabs her stomach and I'm like, is she actually pregnant? And is this going to add a whole nother, like, spanner to the works or not? But I, I know. And maybe. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm just, I love a good theory and I think Tom, Tom has had it in him and I'm sort of excited to see where he goes. Greg, I feel like, used to be one of my favourite characters, which now we're going to get into. Greg, I'm obsessed with Greg, relate to him probably the most. And have you heard a song, Antibodies? No. No, not his song, but his, the his, actor. His, uh, the actor. Yeah, because he's got, he's got a band which is sort of oh, pitchforky, reasonably well regarded, right? You need to listen to Antibodies. It's so funny. Anyway, Greg, I feel like, I mean, it's probably it was probably meant to happen, but his character sort of lost himself and when he was trying to sue Greenpeace, he lost his inheritance and then, like, tried to go after the princess or sixth-time removed princess or whatever. And then, like, just at the end when Tom's asking him to be his little partner in crime again and Greg goes, well, like, who needs a soul anyway or something? Like, what good's yeah. a soul anyway? Yeah. Boo, no soul or something. Like, he sort of got himself back. But I don't know, Greg lost his, um, lost his appeal for me for a little while. I just just realised. Well, have we explained what what succession is for people who might not have watched it? Should we do that? Is that a thing? No, you've you've explained a little bit. All right, all right. Yeah, I feel like you're if you're listening, you know what we're talking if you're about. You're this deep. If you're this deep, or you'll probably want to watch it to find out. It's probably a good tactic to get people to watch it. And they should watch it. Yeah, it's terrific. Uh, so, tell me how to do my, it. My, <laughs> Real bad. No, because I'm the worst for it, and, I, and and you're not. You're actually the best for it. Like culture vulture is very good at context, context, oh, context. Stop, stop, stop. So, 
The thing that I like, so Jesse Armstrong, the creator of the show. So I just went way, way, way back. But like, so he. Are we going to do the context? No, Duncan. So anyway, way back to the start. So he's his show. So Peep Show um, yes. is one of his shows. He was a writer on it. Uh, similar kind of just every line savage. Every person is an Necessary. asshole, or, or oh. is just like a narcissist, basically. Uh, one of my favorite ever shows, nine seasons. You absolutely should watch it. Mm-hmm. Then there's the thick of it, which is quite similar to Succession, but set in English politics. Everyone's an asshole. Incredible whipfire lines. Uh, and then his other show, Fresh Meat, which is like set in an English university. Everyone's an asshole, but it's kind of wholesome and uh, and and kind of warm in a yeah. way that his other shows aren't. But basically, the thread through all his shows is that there are no heroes. And oh. I find that like so... I, I love that about succession yeah. because it, it feels like we live in an era where everyone is basically trying to demonize their their opponents and trying to, in, in so doing, either implicitly or explicitly, they suggest that they are without fault. Yes. And what I love about this is as much as Logan and, and all his children are terrible people, when they go and they meet the Pierce family, which is a cipher for the Salzburgers who own the New York Times – they are worse. To me, yeah. they're worse because they're just as venal, they're just as like extravagantly wealthy, but they they have no insight into their own kind of foibles and failings. And yeah. there's that like academic guy who, you know, just every every character that <laughs> just says the most like obnoxious things. And so that's that's kind of what I love about the show, and I think probably the reason that Greg is slowly degrading is because he became this kind of cult figure, and yeah. he was this doofus, but he didn't mean badly the way that everyone else did, and I think yeah. they have to show that his character development is proximity to that level of wealth and influence invariably leads to your own moral decay as well. Okay, genius, go off! Okay, so at the start of 2021, I had never seen nor had I heard of either Neon, really, or Succession. And now, Succession, as you've just heard, is my literal favourite show, and Neon is my favourite streaming service, not only because it hosts Succession, but they are also just fucking amazing, and they let us record Culture Vulture, they let me sit down and talk to Dunk all about Succession, and I just, I love that for us, I love it for you, because you get to hear it, and I love it from Neon. So if doing this whole episode of Succession wasn't enough to get you at least to sign up for a 14-day free trial, then what about Euphoria or like Pen15 or The Office or Yellowstone or the new Sex in the City or literally all the other good shit that they have on there? I think I think that's pretty compelling and I think you should go and sign up. Anyway, thank you Neon for bringing in the new year with us and letting us live out the chaotic dream that is Culture Vulture. We bloody love ya. I hate to do this to you all, but if you want to hear the rest, which I know you do, head over to Culture Vulture wherever you get your podcasts. Love you.